Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with the indicast.com. I'm Abhishek and joining me to talk about this issue's cover is its author and senior assistant editor Prince Thomas. Hi Prince, how are you doing? Hi Abhishek, I'm fine, thanks. How are you doing? Doing great and it's good to have you back. It's been a while, I think about five months ago we did a podcast on Vijay Malia and this time this issue's cover story is, is slightly unusual in the sense that it puts a respected businessman on the cover all right but it's not businessy it's about ratan tata and tata trust which is a, a non-profit organization so what's the story about and why did you choose tata trust to be on the cover this time prince just to give a short background tata trust is india's oldest philanthropic body and it is also india's largest it began way back in the 19th century when he started an endowment for indian students who wanted to go abroad but couldn't afford now when we say tata trust these are a group of trust and there are two big ones one is sir duraji tata trust and the second one is sir ratan tata trust both were sons of jamshed ji tata the group founder with that background of tata trust and why we have the cover on tata trust is because of late there has been quite a debate on philanthropy earlier this year i think in june bill gates had a closed door meeting with major corporate leaders in india and this included ratan tata it included azim premji nandan nilakani so with that background what we found interesting was the story of ratan tata since 91 he has been chairing the tata group now there is a tradition in the tata family where the person who becomes the chairman of tata group he also becomes the chairman of tata trust which is the philanthropic part of the family now we all know that last year he chose his successor of the tata group cyrus mistry as the next chairman of tata group but another interesting aspect of this transition is that he will remain as the chairman of tata trust how big is the tata trust uh, in terms of uh, philanthropy what is its shareholding and what's the objective that's another unique aspect of the tata trust now tata trust hold 66% of tata sons and tata sons is a holding company for the tata group so each of the tata group company for instance tata steel will have tata sons as its largest shareholder and because tata trust has 66% of tata sons we could say that indirectly tata trust they hold the indirect links to the group and their major incomes comes through the dividend of these companies and since 91 and especially after 2000 when we see a huge growth in few of the tata group companies especially tata consultancy services there's been a huge increase in the income of the tata trust till 91 they had disbursed around 100 crore in philanthropy activities and in 2010 itself they disbursed around 500 crores and just one line on the functioning now they are a funding agency so that means while they will disburse money they won't implement the projects themselves so they have partners on the ground and these partners are the non governmental organizations so they have around 500 to 600 partners to whom they disburse this money every year right when you mentioned the shareholding it's quite evident that if the businesses make money then the trust gets stronger so over the past 20 years since uh, mr ratan tata has taken over how much has the trust grown it has evolved quite a bit in the last 20 years you see more and more external experts coming as trustees so you have someone like dr m s swaminathan the eminent 
agriculture scientist who was there as a trustee till 2009. You have someone like Dr. Amitra Patel from the Anand Institute. You have also E. Sridharan, the metro man who revolutionized metro and public transport in Delhi. He's also recently joined Tata Trust. So eminent people like them are now part of the board. And I also would just briefly give an example of a project that I visited in, uh, in the outskirts of Delhi. And this is a resettlement area. The community had been displaced because of the Commonwealth Games. And they had been resettled in the outskirts of Delhi. Now, through some of their partners, Tata Trust have helped build the community to be self-sufficient. What they had done is through women and uh, through you know youngsters, they have created a lot of micro-enterprises. And one of the micro-enterprises was on water and filtered drinking water. And I met this lady called Bhavri Devi. She's around uh, in her mid-40s and she headed this micro-enterprise. Today, she supplies filtered drinking water to 200 of those families in the community and they actually pay for the water, 7 rupees for per litre, 20 litre of water. And this is something new for people because these are families who earn only around 7 rupees a month. But they realize the value of clean water because they were getting water for free, but that had a lot of health implications. So this is like a market-based model also where philanthropy is not based on charity. But you're actually creating a sustainable model. People are actually paying for the service that they're taking. Right. You've met someone like Nachiket Moore, for instance, who formerly was with ICICI, and he's been an advocate of what we call inclusive growth. So what is the state of philanthropy in India? How many trusts are there who are doing similar work? Nachiket Moore has been a social entrepreneur for some time, ever since he left ICICI. And it is interesting that he's also interacted with Tata Trust officials. He's someone who's very much in favor of a market-based model for philanthropy, where philanthropy also partners with social entrepreneurs to create social enterprises. So I would say that about three years ago, the debacle of the microfinance sector saw them taking a pause because one could see examples where the social entrepreneurs were getting very rich, while the work on the ground was getting affected. And the Tata Trust also, there was a rethink on their approach to social enterprise. Right. There is a whole lot of work to be done considering microfinance has put us back by a couple of steps. So to talk about Ratan Tata, the man himself, with so much work to follow, and he already is 74, so what motivates a man at that age, do you think, Prince? It's interesting because one would imagine that after so many years, he would take the time out now and do things that he might have missed not doing. I mean, he may not have had the time to do. So his pet hobbies were his dogs, flying jet planes. In one of the interviews he recently gave, he mentioned that as a group, he felt that the group has not been able to touch as many lives, especially of those at the bottom of the pyramid, as he had wished. And this is especially regarding products and services that could be affordable by them. The nano car was one such attempt, and I think it has served a purpose, though it still faces a lot of challenges. But he always had this wish, and that wish, I think, to touch many more lives is now something that he wants to do through the trust. It's a completely refreshing attitude to see in a corporate leader in India. Right. What do you think is the reason why the media seems to love Ratan Tata so much, you are part of the media, you are a journalist yourself and there are barely any negative stories, if that's the word to be used, against the man. And it's been a long haul. What makes him so lovable among journalists too? What do you think? 
or am I just dramatizing it too much? Not that dramatic also because over the years what we've seen as we cover corporate is that the owners of companies, the conglomerates, one aspect of their ownership is also numbers of wealth. In our rich list also, we do get questions being aired after every rich list comes out as to why Ratan Tata is not there. How come Ratan Tata being head of such a big group is not there? And I think it's a reflection of the Tata family and also uh, Ratan Tata because of that. What they have perfected over these decades is to, one, dedicate the life to the group and plus understand that there is a larger purpose to enterprise. So each of the Tata Group companies themselves have a huge mandate on corporate social responsibility, but that is completely separate from what Tata Trust does. And Tata Trust hardly works with Tata Group companies. That means you hardly find a project where Tata Trust works with a Tata Group company. So that kind of separation is very much clearly defined. And that is something that one has now associated Ratan Tata with, where business and social responsibility, while it goes hand in hand, they are kept separate. And that, I think, what makes Ratan Tata special. And uh, you asked for uh, why we are fascinated with Ratan Tata. I think he is a role model for other corporate leaders, especially for upcoming entrepreneurs who need a role model, especially because we are beset with examples of entrepreneurs who have taken the wrong call or who had the wrong motives. But here is someone who has a personal stake, but for him the stake is much higher in doing good overall. So I think he's a perfect example as a corporate citizen. So that's why this fascination for you know journalists also. Nicely put. I think on, on that happy note, it's time to wrap up. Thanks a lot, Prince, for your time. Sure, as always. Thank you. And all listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as TheIndicast.com and you can subscribe to Forbes India on iTunes. Just type in Forbes India on the top right section of iTunes and you'll know when the next episode comes out. And subscribe to Forbes magazine by messaging Forbes to 51818.